Love to all signs. Love to all signs. Absolutely. Love to all signs. That's going to be the ad lib at the beginning. That's going to be the ad lib. Are you ready for that? I'm born ready. It's going to be really fun. Hey, folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today, we're talking to Ita Menno. What's up, Ita? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you joining us today so much. Um, (laughs) I think if we didn't mention that today was marathon day, it would be corny. People would be like, the fuck? You recorded a podcast on marathon day and didn't say one thing about it. Well, let's get right into it. What what does it mean for you? Well, it is the third sunny, sunny day in May, so there's that. Embracing... The good weather, the good, good weather. Speak more about what the marathon means to you. Oh, um, I think it's really fun to have a whole bunch of people in the area just kind of checking out what Burlington has. It's always a funny thing when people say that Burlington has nothing for you to do, and yet we are surrounded by things to do that is not hiking or drinking gin or whatever it is that folks like to do. So I think, I don't know, Burlington's really fun. I do kind of have take issue with uh, the marathon being called the Vermont City Marathon, but I've never followed up on why it's called that. So I don't know how many issues I can really have with it. What's the first one? Why do you take Umbridge? Because it's called the Vermont City Marathon. Which would lead one to believe that Vermont's the name of a city. It's like people saying, you know, you're from Africa. I'm like, Africa's a continent, yo. What are you saying? And it's actually not the same thing, but, you know, in the back of my mind, that's what it says. It is sort of a confusing name because there isn't, <laughs> as far as I know, a city called Vermont. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Also, a city in Vermont, period. Also, <laughs> you know, a city called Vermont in Vermont, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, is it that they're running on streets? That it's like, oh, we're urban. It's a city marathon. Is that what it is? I'm guessing that that's what it is, but, you know, who knows? Um, the marathon's a lot of fun. Every year, my family and I go out to the New North End to Mile. 18-ish. I think that's the Lakewood neighborhood for folks who are familiar with the Vermont and Burlington geography. Um, And we help some friends out there pass out shots of maple syrup, which is really nice. People are so grateful. And you have, you know, runners stopping to take pictures with you or just take pictures of the maple syrup and folks saying how delightfully Vermonty. It is, and it is. It's it's pretty Vermonty. So, shout out to Kirsten for holding it down out there for a few years. Shout out, Kirsten. <laughs> you you pass out maple syrup at the marathon yes. as as a means. Does that fortify the runners? Supposedly, I don't know. I don't run, but people seem happy for a lot of reasons. I'm guessing it's the sugar. You know, you're like running low on electrolytes or whatever you're running low on by 18 miles so 
it's happy. And then right after the maple syrup is some water. So yay. Got everything you need. The water station follows the maple syrup station. It's a good way to go it, about it. As it should. Um, that natural sugar too, might I add. It's yes. natural. Yes, it is totally natural. And again, how very Vermonty. What does being natural mean to you, Ita? Oh, it can mean anything. Um, let me see. Um, I So I work for the government, and um, some of the things that I've been talking to folks about lately is how the government doesn't regulate um, scented candles. And, and I walk into apartments, and people have these scented candles lit everywhere um not just thinking about how unsafe it is to have a lit candle in a room you're not in when you know your windows open and your curtains are blowing because of the wind um but the government doesn't regulate the chemicals that go into making your peppermint pine candle smell pepperminty piney so you don't know what's My in holiday there. season Yankee Candle is unregulated. It is unregulated. It's unregulated and potent. Yeah. Hidden danger. Exactly. Hidden danger. Makes on. my third eye hurt. Go on about your third Seriously. eye. Seriously. It's so disturbing how we don't know what we just have no idea how um how generationally people of color have been compelled to think about our smells mm. and how our space smells mm. and how smell is associated with cleanliness. Class. Class, exactly. Right. So we just have, you know, mm. we just are carrying this like generational trauma around um, requiring things to smell a certain way. Um, in order for cleanliness to be a thing. And I just don't know that we need to believe that Hmm. story anymore. You must see a lot on your job. I do. Let's get into your job. Okay. (laughs) Let's get into my job. You, You are a housing inspector. I am. For the government. For the government. For the feds. No, for the municipality. Ah! Oh, no, I don't know. That Listen, I, can handle for the feds. I am putting that on you today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But you, but you work for the government. I do. I work for the government. For the municipal government. Of Burlington? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, of Chittenden County? No, no, for Burlington. Specifically. Yeah. The city of Burlington. Yeah. So what you do is... I um, mostly inspect rental housing in the city of Burlington only. Um, Well, I'll talk to other people outside of the city of Burlington, but Burlington has its own code of ordinances for minimum habitability, and I um, enforce that. So exciting. So what does that look like for you on a Monday morning tomorrow? What are you going to be doing? Well, because I work for the government, it's Memorial Day. Oh, it's literally, <laughs> we are dating ourselves, folks. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, we're both off work. Yay. On a Monday morning, 
my friend. <laughs> on on um on a Monday morning, I'll get to work and there is a stack of paperwork on my desk saying all the places where I need to go. Um, it'll be either a scheduled regular inspection because Burlington requires all rental properties, 100% of rental units to be inspected by us. By and there's many. There are a lot. There's right. like 10,000 rentals. I mean, and that's probably, is that a, above average? Or is that how we... I mean, I don't know. I feel like we are a rented out town. We are. We are absolutely a rented out town with the 2% rental availability rate. It's why you can count on rents to be super high. And people to pay them. And for people to pay them. Exactly. I derailed. I'm sorry. Where were we? No, no, no. It's absolutely, all of it's so connected, I think. Um, So, um, so apartments are scheduled to be inspected um, on a regular schedule, depending on how well they're maintained, actually. There's um, property owners and property managers are incentivized to maintain their property. So we don't, we won't come in, but every five years, if you take exceptional care of your property. Now, remember, we're minimum habitability. So you only have to minimally take care of it in order to get, you know, the five years. But if there's anything wrong or if it, goes outside of minimum habitability then we'll um come back and check it out and you'll the more things that are wrong with it the shorter your um inspect your the shorter between inspections the amount of time is taken so exciting people also have an opportunity to complain if their property isn't um if they have questions about their property they're allowed to call our office and say can somebody come and check this out and we'll come and check it out. That's another part of the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We also like check for garbage outside. I feel like you do a lot. I feel like and your the work you do is very, very personal when you do it. You're you're literally going into people's homes. Yes. And telling them if they're <laughs> legit or not yeah how does that how does it feel i don't like it i don't i love my job like i like the idea that i can work collaboratively collaboratively with tenants and property owners and property managers to ensure that everybody's living in safe livable spaces um so i love that part of it i don't love the part where i'll walk in and have to tell somebody, yo, you're actually super gross and you need to clean this up. Or shame on you for letting this property become this deteriorated. You never saw, are you trying to tell me that you never saw a hole in your ceiling the entire time that you've owned this property? This is the first time you've ever seen it. So, you know, I don't like having to tell people what to do. When folk know better. Like, you actually know better. So, Ida, I know that you're a parent. I am. I know that you are a a stellar parent. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know what it's like for you. Did you always feel like you would have a family like that? Did you always feel like you were... 
that person? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I absolutely have always known that I was going to be a parent. Yeah. I never f- could quite figure out how I was going to get there because I'd never wanted to have a baby. And I still don't want to have like a baby through my body. I don't want to carry. I don't want that. But I always knew that I wanted to be a parent. Um, so, And I always knew that I was going to be. So I'm really excited to have this amazing family three kids all my big my big guys how did the journey start for you um hmm. my my ex and i when we first got together we had agreed that i was gonna carry a child this was like 20 years ago i don't know it was forever ago um I know, I remember I was in my early 20s, so, um, but in the back of my mind, I did not, I did not want to carry a baby, so we just kept putting off having a child, kept putting off having a child, and then one day she comes to me saying, I think that I want to carry the baby, so it, like, the next month, it totally happened, we, not exactly the next month, but it was a pretty short amount of time before she was pregnant, and um, we have this amazing 13-year-old together that um, I co-parent with her and her partner, and my partner and I are co-parenting this delightful family with a 20-year-old who's in college, and this 13-year-old, and an amazing 11-year-old. They are so wonderful, the sweetest things. And it's really interesting raising a multiracial family in um in Vermont and just how delightfully multiracial we really are um and the many varied experiences that all of our children have and that they bring home about with questions about gender and conversations daily many times daily conversations about race and racism and having the opportunity to have really calm thoughtful conversations with people about race and racism that aren't always of intellectual debates or aren't moments where we're interrupting other people's shit or um, aren't taking care of hurt Feelings. It's what an amazing opportunity to be able to raise a family. The other stuff, the hard stuff, is also a part of it. The hard conversations are a part of it, but it's not the it's not the only part of it. Does that make sense? So, some fun conversations that you had lately have gone like, oh, um, well, we've been talking a lot about consent. We talk a lot about consent in my family and having a twenty year old. Um, in college. In college. A 20-year-old in college um, and two adolescent children kind of keeps that conversation front and center, um, the conversation about consent and how kind of consent um, it can cover so many different things and how important it is to practice it in and out of sexy time. Um, we've been talking a lot about um, what... So the kids have learned about sex in school from friends who've never had sex and 
because you know they're adolescents so really what do they know about sex um and from health class or whatever it is that they where whatever the name of the class is where they learn about sex and I think that the teachers who teach it call it intercourse so we have an amazing opportunity to correct what that is that sex isn't only about intercourse so that's a fun conversation to have um when their friends are asking me why I call sex sexy time and I said well because sex is fun and it isn't just about you know smashing so um what what an amazing opportunity it is to be exposed to for I'm I'm saying that I am blessing a bunch of adolescents in the world with these conversations and I don't know if their parents feel the same way as I do but you know you're welcome parents I'm taking care of your kids for you I got you (laughs) yeah it's fun parents being a parent is my most salient identity um it is more important to me than Um, any of my other identities and other people don't always assign that identity to me I think because um, I typically present more masculine I um, I don't always talk about my children out in the world but for me it is my most important and most salient identity and I don't know how long that's going to be but it's been my most salient identity for a really long time it's interesting that you mentioned masculinity and that that would be something that people would like, you know what I mean? Have yeah. a sort of <laughs> paradox, I guess, about you about like, oh, you're Linda Parenting, but you present masculine. So therefore those two cannot coexist. It is. It's a is funny. that how it goes? I'm not sure, but I kind of, hmm. I, I think that if I were to spend some time really thinking about it, I would say that that's absolutely a true thing. It's like the folks that say that dads babysit but mom's parent. Who says that? I mean, just. Are they white? Them. Yes. I mean, pretty much always. You know, TV has that the bumbling um, men figures and shows who like just parent in as an accessory rather than as um, as an identity. Does that make sense? I think I'm the white men. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just want to name it. I just yeah. want to say things. Because, first of all, we don't have a lot of um, the black dads. I think we have in pop culture, like on TV that we grew up with, we can count on one hand. And there were just like a million <laughs> shows that like came and went and like stayed or whatever um, with white dads featured where we just like took us like, oh, okay, yeah, that's who we should see as our dad. That's who we should be modeling after a lot of people of color you know what I mean yeah in America and elsewhere grew up this way where we just saw many 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 different flavors of white dad from the inept to the very caring you know what I mean portrayed we were graced with that our whole lives and we saw very few uh dads of any color period um we we're not exactly I think we're like <laughs> intergenerational peers, if that makes sense. I feel like we yeah. are within like 10 years of each other, probably. Um, and it doesn't really matter. But I feel like speaking pop culturally, we can say that we grew up on the same shows. Yeah. And there, there weren't a ton of like black dads or like Latinx dads or Asian dads or anything like that. A lot of white dads. And they were all some, like, some bumbling, some very competent, 
but just never mirrored like period like uh, parents of color like that so yeah I feel like there's there are layers to this conversation. There really are. Where absolutely. Well, it's people are expecting you to be away based on Tim the Toolman Taylor. You know what I mean? Like and that's just weird. <laughs> that's just like for me, that's just like Yeah, it definitely doesn't speak to the experience that I had growing up at all. You know, I, I think that um, I grew up around people of color, very multiracial. My father was in the military. Um, and the, I mean, nuclear families were, I was surrounded by nuclear families. So everybody, by these heteronormative, since we're naming it, these heteronormative nuclear families, um, and um, everybody's parents were around. You know, so I just, so saying what you said about pop culture, actually, it's totally true. It never mirrored any of my experiences growing up. And, you know, how many, there weren't a lot of people of color on television shows growing up. And every time we saw something, it was really exciting. My partner and I had this really interesting conversation about the weak singing of pop singers from the 80s, 80s and 90s, you know, like. You know, Tiffany or whatever. And I love Tiffany. I mean, you know, I love Shout Tiffany. Shout out Tiffany. Um, but Shout out Debbie Gibson. Seriously. And they were wonderful at the time. But there was something, um, I think, that what made Whitney Houston so spectacular is we finally got this amazing singer that had an absolutely vigorous... Can we make a Taylor yes. Swift-Beyonce comparison? Can we say it was like... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's... Whitney. Yeah, Whitney. That's all. I'm just saying, at the time, I feel like Debbie Gibson may have been her peer. At least as far as, you know, the charts were concerned or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. They might have been neck and neck at some point. But it's like, okay, Taylor, <laughs> like you, I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the greatest videos of all time. All time. All time. All of that is true. It's just really interesting what we allow to have happen. And but not we, you go, and me. Go but like on them. What 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 is it that we allow to have happen? That's so interesting. Like, how do we allow such mediocrity to be so successful? Like, how are we accepting uh, that degree of mediocrity when we're surrounded? People have we have figured out how to surround ourselves with exceptional peers, and um and around you know, the country, white mediocrity is thriving. You know, I'm not, you know, for white listeners out there, I know some of you are absolutely fantastic. So, you know, if this doesn't apply to you, then don't let it apply to you. Um, I, I just, the level of POC exceptionalism um, is is so wonderful and so deep and so meaningful and we, you know, the country forgets just how wonderful and how much effort we put into into being who we are and how much effort it takes to move through the day and just, you know, we're special. 
Yes. So what media are you currently ingesting? What warms your heart cockles? My, my heart cockles are very warm. No. As they should be. Um, as they should be. I do, I do enjoy... Um, I do enjoy a little bit of television, a lot actually. I consume a lot of television. I love watching TV. Um, I just finished watching uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. How is she? She's delightful. She's really special. Um, I casting spells. Seriously. Um, do you I, like do you, do you like Charmed as well? I do. I like Charmed. <laughs> so you're just so kind of, much more. You're just kind of witchy. I'm very witchy. Just I like of, the witchiness. Um, yeah, the new the Charmed reboot. If you're not watching the Charmed reboot, y'all slept seriously. You have to watch it because there is so much to glean from it, to learn, and to support these delightful you know, women of color, including queer women of color, hello, who love each other, like queer women, of, queer women of color dating each other rather than, like, you know, have being in a relationship. The with whole coven is dating? Wait, well, what? no, 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 they're Hang not on. all dating. Let no, me no, just no. clarify you know. for the folks out there listening, not every character on Charmed is dating and in a coven together. No. There are separations. Are they sisters? There are three sisters. Okay, so I is, am. I need to. You need to watch this. Have fall you not watched this yet? You need to start was, at the beginning. I saw like one episode. Start at the beginning. I'm in the it's gang. Slow. I'm in the squad. I saw one episode. It's, good. it's so good. I love it. Um, and I like superhero shows. I love those things. Anything that, and I, and um, Grey's Anatomy, which is basically a superhero show. You know, for 16 years or however long it's been happening, I'm into it still. And I do cry at every single episode. For you, what does Grey's Anatomy mean for you? What does it represent for you? Um, I don't actually think that it means anything. I think it just takes up, I think it's just a delightful way to spend my time. It doesn't have any greater meaning. But in terms of production value, it's a really great show. It's got a good soundtrack. Almost always. Um, I like that the... Um, I do like... And I started watching it because the creator was a woman of color. So so that was really important to me. I don't know that I need to... You know, Shonda does fine. She doesn't need my viewing anymore. But um, I... So... And the main, even though, and the main character um, is a white lady. So I don't know. You know, whatever. But... Station 19 is a spinoff for anybody that likes uh, firefighter shows. And that is led by a woman of color. So I'm pretty psyched about that. It's been a fun, ridiculous show. The melodrama. You know. It sounds like you're kind of there for the escapism. Sure. I can be there for the escapism. I don't know. I'm a Gemini. I kind of like live in the... It's your season. It is my season. It is. I'm pretty excited about my season. I love to, I have my birthday's coming up soon for anybody that's interested in celebrating. Turning 43, holler. What does um, being a Gemini mean for you? Um, I like that I have a really good excuse to change my mind about things. It's my personality. It's my sign. Yeah, absolutely. But if my partner were to ask, or if she's listening right now, 
I'm not changing my mind. I actually see both sides of the same situation. You sound like you're on your Libra shit. Mm. You got some Libra in your chart? No, I don't. That's crazy. Are you on CoStar? Yeah, I am on CoStar. Are you going to find me? <laughs> Are you going to find me? I'll find you. Anyway. But beyond, so so, so you, you do identify with your sign. A lot of people don't. I do. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, are like, that's bogus. I'm a cusp, which is bogus. If I've never said this on the show before, y'all can keep that cusp shit. It's not real. It's fake. Mm-mm. Sorry. Exactly. I totally agree. Most Geminis I know actually really identify with their Gemini sign, though. I mean, yeah, we know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, it's great being a Gemini. What can I say? More, please. Yeah. I mean, that's all I have. There's a lot. It's a lot. It's good. It sounds like a lot. It's Honestly, fun. it sounds like being a Gemini takes a lot. I mean, it doesn't take... I don't know that it takes any more than anything else, but, you know, represent. Maybe that's what it takes a lot. Maybe the next time you have me, I'll come prepared to talk about my Gemini-ness. <laughs> I think I think it takes a lot of um, hearing a lot of bad shit about your sign. Mm-hmm. I think that's what is part and parcel of being a Gemini. Yeah, no, you know what? Only everybody else thinks bad things about Gemini. Besides, but not, not like not <laughs> no young, Gemini. No, no, we don't know yes, anything wrong, and we know Gemini. that about you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all love, though. It's love it to is. all signs. It's love to all signs. Honestly, love to all signs. There's no real ranking the zodiac signs. Like, I mean, okay. Maybe there is. <laughs> I don't know. But also, I mean, if I don't champion a Scorpio or a Gemini on this show, what am I doing? What are you doing? Thank you. Are you a hardcore hip hop fan? I don't know. Th- I don't know that I would consider myself a hardcore hip-hop fan i'm definitely a 90s um early 2000s hip-hop and r&b fan um i i'm on the struggle bus with a lot of hip-hop now i I don't know if it's because i'm getting older or if it's because my kids are listening to it and i am determined to not like the same things that they do i'm not sure what that's about but also you're thinking about what they're being influenced by Yes, definitely that. Um, you know, we have rules in our house that you can't have songs that have the N-word or the B-word. And anytime they do play a song that has the N-word or the B-word, they get to get a lecture, which they really don't like, which makes me really look forward to giving them lectures about, you know, um, how the N-word and the B-word perpetuate nasty stereotypes about human beings and that prevents us from really having one another in a thoughtful and meaningful way. Because music should unite us. But but music is good and everybody has their own thing. When we go on car rides, everyone gets to pick their own song. I got one of those 10 foot long aux cords, you know what I'm saying? So that we can pass around the phone and people can switch their songs up. So it's good. It's fun. Um, and I love Prince, who's a human being who, you know, 
has so many different genres genres working at the same time. We do have an only one Beyonce and a car ride at a time rule. Not because we don't all love Beyonce, but I don't want to listen to just the queen. It's my Virgo sister. Do you know that? I do know yeah. that. Yes, I do know that she's a Virgo. Yeah. Uh, it's probably why she gets so much done. Just one a ride, huh? Mm-hmm. One song or one album? Oh my gosh, just one song. How, how short are the rides? Um, it doesn't matter the length of the ride, short or long. It's really interesting. But you eventually, make that you know, choice. Yeah. Well, when my heart feels a little bit better, I'm like, okay, you can play another one. But I put your love on top. Is that the one you would put? That's just what I'm telling yeah. you. I'm just saying that to you. What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you, Ida? Um, black and brown queer culture. That's a good question. I, I'm not really sure, Reggie, what that means or what that looks like. I think that... Um, Wow, what a, that's a really good question. I don't, I wonder if I've ever even thought about it. I definitely think it's um, that uh, cutie, cutie pock folk in this area are super patient. Um, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean that there's a lot, I think we wait, do a lot of waiting around for for white folks to, see us, to acknowledge us, to recognize us as humans. Um, I think that we have done so, collectively, we've done so much to move this, the queer community along. Um, And I don't, I'm never one for acknowledgement. I don't really need that sort of thing. Um, And uh, queer people of color aren't really recognized um, at the degree at which we we really do contribute to um, to creating space for queer folks in this community. I there's a lot of the there's a lot of you know feminists, white feminist lesbians in this community that are really fond of neglecting um, non-binary queer people of color um, and the the contributions they've made to the queer community in general. And I think that the amount of wealth that is feels sometimes inexhaustible in this community that is held by white people kind of contributes that contributes to that rather um it i it's like yes there's value in having a creative economy but who it gets pushed out of a community when the creative economy rises um it's like the 
HRC gays are around a lot here. Um, And so I feel like queer people of color have to operate outside of, um, as a community, have to operate outside of whatever is been deemed normative. And um, that's exhausting to constantly be outside of whatever is considered normative. Um, so I also think that we have the best parties. <laughs> I, I think that um, we have the most love. We have the, you know, best dancers. We have, um, I think that we know how to value more people. Um, I went to a POC professionals gathering um, last week, and it was spectacular. It was at the Vermont Comedy Club. There were um, over 100 people of color um, that were all gathered together, mingling, hanging out, just talking to each other, and really celebrating being together. It was fantastic. And then they had a comedy show, and there were these, there were people of color, comedians, and there's something about watching a person of color drop a joke that is about people of color to people of color that feels so spectacular in um, in Vermont that you can tell the joke was written to be delivered for white folks, but when it's delivered for people of color, it makes it just, just amazing and special. And I just felt like it was a wonderful event of uh, to be a part of, to... Um, be a witness to, um, and I'm looking forward to future opportunities for people of color to get together. I think that we know that we want to be together. Um, and so how many ways can we figure out how to do it? Yay. When do you feel most brown and out? Um, I, I pretty much feel brown and out a lot. I think that the, um, I think that I'm surprised when people don't assume I'm queer. Um, and, I th- and maybe it's the nature of my job. But when I got people asking me who my husband is, I'm like, you don't even know what I think about relationships. So why are you asking me, like, who my husband is? But that's so, I'm like, I feel like I've been queer for so long for you to ask me who my husband is is such a it's such a strange thing or like how my husband is doing or whatever it is that people ask me about my husband. Um, I wonder if I can say just husband one more time. I don't mind. Um, so, um, so I think that, um, being a person of color in this community, I've been here for a little while now. Um, maybe I moved here in 2003. So, I've been here for a while. Um, I think that um, I do believe that there are always white people looking for a queer brown person to speak for other queer brown folks. I don't know that um, I'm so into that anymore. I'm not sure that I've ever really been into it, but I think I would be lying if I 
if I said that I wasn't entirely all the time, you know, but I'm definitely not into it anymore. Um, you feel like you've been put in that role? I definitely, uh, yeah, I think so. And I think that, um, that when you take yourself, you know, when you put yourself out there, people want to ask you to do more. Um, and I don't really have the energy or the want to do more. Cause remember, my most salient identity is being a parent. It's super important to me. And I think that my children are getting older and adolescents. I th- maybe that's when they need me more. So, so I like to stick, stick close to home. And you just feel brown out all the time. I do. All the damn I feel, time. <laughs> I feel, yeah, definitely browner the longer that summer goes on. Um, you made a joke about the sun. Okay. I, did, I see you. you know? I see you. Yeah. I definitely feel browning out a lot. Um, and having the opportunity, I talked to my kids, my youngest child's class, the whole middle school. It's a small, small school. But I got to talk to the whole middle school about uh, gender identity and sexual orientation and it's really fun and the kids want to know about who you are and I didn't share a lot of personal stuff and I think that if I have the, had the opportunity to do it again I would tell my coming out stories um, because the story that I did tell there was absolute silence these children were really wanting to hear you know how does being um, a queer person impact you or how did it impact you growing up? Or when did you know? What was your root? But yeah, I feel browning out all the time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work that you do.